You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Shalom and welcome to Prophet Pearls face to face in the city of the prophets, Jerusalem, with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. I am so excited to be here. Can I, rem- uh, Keith? Uh, can you say hello to the people? I've been taken up. You've been taken up. Last week was the the, the sun turned to darkness. Wait, so now we're living in the new heaven of the new earth. (laughs) That's right. Go ahead. Well, what I want to do is remind people of why we came to Israel. And I I just want to, you know, because we're actually recording Prophet Pearl sitting here in a safe house in Jerusalem. Yep. Uh, And uh, I just want to remind people, uh, and this is what happened previously on Prophet Pearls. Are you there, Keith? Can you hear me? Hello? Keith, can you hear me? Keith, you stay alive. <laughs> you stay alive no matter what occurs. I will find you no matter how long it takes, no matter how far. I will find you. you, you. And I found him. I brought him all the way from Shanghai. Yeah, not only did you floor. find me, Nehemiah, you found this, this safe house. And folks, I want to let you know, still don't have my suitcase. I'm waiting for it. I've, you know, I've spent three days and two nights and... And Nehemiah's got me here, and he's over at Bubby Dina's where he's eating breakfast. There's nothing in the refrigerator. I'm locked in this basement apartment. All he tells me is I can work on profit pearls. Let me out, Nehemiah! Hey, you're free when I'm at Bubby Dina's eating the... I'm going to do whatever you want. Right, okay. All right, we got to talk about... Uh, now that we're done with Last of the Mohicans, can we talk about Jer- Jeremiah? Absolutely, we have to talk about it. All right, and this is the, the second uh, section of the prophets corresponding to the Torah portion uh, in the book of Leviticus yeah. corresponding to the Torah portion of Tzav Leviticus 6 1 to 8 36 and this portion is Jeremiah 7 21 through 8 3 and then it skips to two more verses uh, to end on a happy note mm. uh, 9 22 to 23 yeah in, uh, and I want to make a little confession you talk about yeah. different things you're reading I used to um, when we when we did the original uh, Torah Pearls program I was really nervous um, I loved Genesis and, and, I, and I loved Exodus and yeah. I couldn't wait for Deuteronomy but Leviticus came, and I thought, well, what are we going to do when we... You know, i got to just be honest with you. It was really a delightful surprise. That what was when the we problem? Started, the problem was is that it wasn't a book that I would normally would read, okay. the book of Leviticus. I mean, what does that have to do with me? That's, that's the issue that would be... That like would all the sacrifices? Up, yeah, and all of those things. But really, when we went into and started dealing with that, and I encouraged people to listen to the original Torah pearls where we, where we went through all of those sections, uh, it really was surprising to me. I was really excited as we prepared, and then we discussed it and what came out as a result. So when you get to the prophets, you know, I mean, it's like the prophets of the paralleling Leviticus. It's like, well, what are they going to talk about? Well, of course, ends up talking about sacrifices. So, so it's pretty so amazing. I, I've got a confession to make about the, those Torah portions in Leviticus, which deal with the sacrifices. So um, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but when I was I was a kid, I went to this uh, Jewish school, and um, one of the things that they had us do was, um, uh, and there was like a competition to see who could memorize more rules of the sacrifices. And I'm talking about, you know, for example, you have... You're, you're kidding me. No, you have the burnt offering on the third day of, uh, you know, of, uh, of, uh, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it has the fourth a quarter of a heen of, uh, you know, for example, of, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of wine or oil or whatever. And then there's another sacrifice. Another, so I'm, I was actually the number one kid in my class and memorized all the sacrifices with all the details. And my rabbi was actually really innovative. He made this card game 
where you you would you would put down you know the quarter of the heen, and then somebody would have to respond to that by putting. Why down, does this not which surprise me? Why does this not surprise me? <laughs> I love the sacrifices; they're wonderful with all the details. That's, the, that's my bread and butter. I'm a detail guy. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm the tree guy, not the forest. So, so yeah, I really. But 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 actually, this passage here, you know, what we read in Leviticus, that was that was the for that was the trees. Now we're going to look at the forest. Yeah, here in I like that, I like that image that you're using, Nehemiah, because yeah. one of the things that I noticed uh, in in and I think this is what's so cool about the prophets is is that you look at the Torah and you see that this is the rule, this is this is the way it, the way it is, and then you'd see the progression of people's lives and how the community would change, and then the Yehovah speaks, thus saith Yehovah, no longer da 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 da, you know, and it's like it's 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 like it brings to the forefront the balance of human life, you know. Here's mm-hmm. the rule, this is what you want to do. Here's the application of it, and here's where there can be the the what I call the not the alternative, but the shift that takes place. So, mm-hmm. yeah, seven twenty one. Thus yeah. says Yehovah of hosts, the God of Israel: Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices, and eat flesh. So, what does that mean? So, I, so here we have two different types of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Each one had a different card in the game as a kid. Yeah. There's the korban olah, the whole burnt offering. And yes. There's the korban zevach, or the zevach shlamim, which is the peace offering, and you eat that. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole burnt offering, you don't eat of it; you burn the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is. Look, don't even bother burning the burnt offering. Just eat it. You know, <laughs> I don't even care about any of this. That's what he's saying. It's a pretty, pretty awesome image. <laughs> I just have to say, that is so, um, I don't even know how to put it. I mean, that's yeah. just like, we don't, here, here's, here's the rule. Just, you know what? Knock yourself out. <laughs> right. Well, it's actually what, what we could describe as sarcasm. Exactly. God's yeah. being, being like, you know, you just get, whatever. You're not even doing any, you're not taking this seriously. Just eat it. Don't, don't even bother. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. what does it say next? For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I, for I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice. I love this. Yeah. This is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people and you will walk. You will, you will, you will function. <laughs> It's like I think of it, you will walk in all the way in which I command you, that it may be well with you. Man, if you only had that verse. I, I think we got to spend considerable I, time talking about this verse. Yeah, we these have two, to. These two verses. Uh, and, the, and, and look, we could talk about the general uh, image or the general mm-hmm. principle, which is really clear, which is God wants obedience, not sacrifices, mm-hmm. which is something that's actually going to come back again and again in, in, in Prophet Pearls. Um, this theme of God. God wants obedience, not sacrifices. But I think we've got to talk about what's specific to this passage, which Mm -hmm. is the statement, I didn't command you in the day that I took you out of Egypt to bring sacrifices. Because the first thing that comes to mind to me is, wait a minute, yeah, you did. Yeah, exactly. So what's going on? And and, and let's look at some facts here and and, try to figure this out. So first of all, we've got in Exodus, before they even leave Egypt, during the discussions with Pharaoh, Moses says, we need to go into the desert to, to bring sacrifices. sacrifices. I actually counted. He says it 10 times. Mm. 10 times he mentions we need to go to bring sacrifices. And here's an example from Exodus chapter 10, verses 25 to 26. I'll read it from the Hebrew. And Moses, uh, Moshe, uh, Moshe said, um, you will also, to Pharaoh, he's saying, you will also give in our hand uh, 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 peace offerings and burnt offerings, and we will uh, make them for Jehovah our God. And also our flocks will go with us. There will not remain a hoof because uh, we will take from it to serve uh, Jehovah our Jehovah. God. Yes. Uh, and we do not know how we will, with what we will serve our God until we come there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about in the original Torah pearls how, how there was this issue. Is, is Moses lying here? Mm-hmm. Um, and in a sense, he's not because when they get there, they actually do sacrifices. So in Exodus 24 verse 5, 
um, when when they go to Mount Sinai, they offered sacrifice. It says, and he sent the the youths of the children of Israel, and they offered up uh, whole burnt offerings, and they slaughtered uh, peace offerings to Jehovah out of bulls. So we have there they you know before they they leave Egypt, they say we need these animals to offer sacrifices. When they actually get to Mount Sinai, which is the place they wanted to get to, they offer sacrifices, and then immediately after the Ten Commandments, they're commanded to make an earthen or, or uh, unhewn stone altars for sacrifices. I think we talked about that in a different passage in Exodus 20, verses 25 to 26. Uh, it says, and if, if uh, uh, an altar of stone you will make for me, do not build it uh, out of hewn stone, right. etc. cetera. Um, and, then it's, uh, and then it talks about not going up on, on, on steps to the altar so that your nakedness not be revealed because they didn't wear underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's going on here? So he does talk about sacrifices mm-hmm. when they left Egypt, before they left Egypt, and after they left Egypt. So what's going on here? So and it really is a question. I mean, what what is your yeah? And it's interesting when you say you say that. For he says, when I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices, when I read it, I think about what what was the what was the message? In other words, what was the main message that Yehovah gave to his people? And is the main message about sacrifices, or is the main message? About following him. Oh, and I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. Meaning, if we take this in a very general sense, we can say, yes, this is true. But if we look more specifically, it's like, wait a minute, what is he trying to say here? Right, right, right. Because he did command them to bring sacrifices. Um, and this raises the whole question about what are sacrifices about? And, mm-hmm. and it's interesting, according to one Jewish explanation, sacrifices were permitted before the golden calf, but they weren't required. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, and that's actually based on this passage and based on some other verses. They're trying to say, um, yeah, they were allowed to bring sacrifices. Just like, like you know, who, who told Cain and Abel to bring sacrifices? Right. It wasn't a commandment. Right. They did it because they, they felt moved and they yes. wanted to bring the sacrifice, but it wasn't a commandment. Um, and so the, so the theory there is that, well, you know, yes, there was the Passover sacrifice, which was one very specific situation to avoid being killed in the plague of the firstborn. But other than that, no, you, you, God didn't command to bring sacrifices. They were allowed. Um, and based on that, sacrifices, and this is a very, this is a very, um, I would say, you know, powerful uh, Jewish explanation. I Meaning, this isn't just some minority opinion; mm-hmm. it's very prominent. According to this idea, sacrifices were never part of God's divine plan. Mm-hmm. They existed in the culture, and, and God tolerated them. Um, yet, the golden calf, they worshipped Jehovah by sacrificing in the presence of idols. So, according to this Jewish explanation, in order to channel this evil energy into something good, God gave them the tabernacle and the sacrifices as commandments. But originally, it wasn't part of God's plan. It was almost like, look, I can see you can't do without the sacrifices, and you're doing them wrong by sacrificing to a golden calf. So, let, let's channel that energy mm-hmm. into a ritual that'll keep you so busy. It's almost like what Pharaoh said You are idle, you are idle, therefore, you say, let's go out of Egypt. You are idle, you are idle, therefore, you are worshiping. Sacrificing the idols, and that's actually the explanation, for example, of Radak, who is a very uh, Rabbi David Kimchi, a famous Jewish Bible commentator. Um, and so, according to him, this commandment about the earthen altar in Exodus twenty it became obsolete because now everything was directed to a specific ritual in a specific place. In other words, the original commandment in Exodus twenty, according to this explanation, again, which is one explanation, um, was that yeah, if you want to bring sacrifices, you're allowed to. Just here's how the altar has to be. Here's two options of how to make an altar. After that. We have a very specific, you know, we've got the tabernacle mm-hmm. and the temple, which never had earthen altars, which is interesting. It raises the question, mm-hmm. whether these guys are right or not, what is Exodus 20 about? When were they going to build earthen altars if we're commanded to build a very specific type of altar mm-hmm. in the, um, you know, two altars actually in the temple or in the tabernacle in the later temple? Um, 
So uh, now there's some problems with this. The golden calf is in Exodus 32, verse 4. The tabernacle is first revealed to Moses on the mountain in Exodus 25 to 31. Mm-hmm. Um, and it refer- specifically refers to the designs he, of the tabernacle he was shown in the mountain. Um, but one of the things the rabbis point out correctly is that the Torah is not always in chronological order. Right. Uh, and we can show, we, I think we've talked about in the original exactly. Torah. Yep. Pro- in the original Torah pearls, for example, mm-hmm. Numbers nine is given a date, and it's late. It's earlier than Numbers one. Mm-hmm. It, you know, meaning you can see very specifically it's not in chronological order. And so it's possible that God showed Moses these designs after the Israelites worshipped the golden calf. Meaning Moses is up there for forty days, and maybe it's only at day thirty-eight God says, "Oh man, this is what they're doing. All right, look, this is what you're going to make them." Mm-hmm. So that's a possibility. It's definitely possible, and it explains. Um, this verse in Jeremiah as basically saying, look, I didn't command you to do this. You were allowed to, but you wanted to do it. So I let you do it later when you, you know, worship the golden calf. Then, then I commanded it. But originally it wasn't about that. Originally it was about obedience. And since you didn't have obedience, then I gave you these commandments of the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. But now you're, you're losing the, you're, you're missing the point. You're focusing on the sacrifices and not the obedience. See, here's what my, the struggle that I have with yeah. that is just, I, you know, I'm always just reminded of, uh, uh, you know, I was, I am and I shall be. Yeah. And that there's nothing that surprises him. There's not anything that, that just like catches him off guard. Oh, my goodness. You mean to say you guys did this? Oh, wait, 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 I, better, I better come up with another plan. You know, it's like it's like I, 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 I have a hard time with that. I, I, I tend to think more of Yehovah saying, OK, yes, this is a part of the plan, but it, it's purpose. Like when I when I read for I did not speak to your fathers or command them. It's like I'm thinking, okay, this is something that they were going to do. This is something that's a part of the issue, but this is not the main issue. And we find this in the prophets over and over again. It's not the main issue. Right. The and, rules and, and the regulations that. of the this exact hand of this, and you, yeah. you won, you won, you won, won you won the competition. But I'm telling you, it's not the main thing. No, I, I agree so, with you. So that's so, why I, right. I kind of have a little bit of an issue regarding. I hear you. Well, you know, so, so first of all, as far as this idea that God doesn't, you know, change the commandments, mm-hmm. and, and I want to be really careful here. Um, there are definitely situations in the Torah where God responds to what the people do. And, for example, we have the manna. Yeah. He said, you know, don't collect it on Shabbat. And they went out on Shabbat. And then he yeah. says, okay, don't even leave the camp. Yeah. You know, sit each man in his place. Yep, yep, yep. And that's a response to what they did. Mm. Um, you know, look, if you can't behave, I'm just going to keep you, you know, you've got to sit in the corner. You know, and, and so it's possible. But there's another rabbi named the Malbim. And he says that he explains that Jeremiah means that. And this is more in line with what you said. Mm. Jeremiah means that God didn't command us to bring sacrifices for their own sake. When do you get to call me Rabbi Keith? That's Rabbi, all I want. I'll call you Rabbi Keith. <laughs> Rabbi Johnson. <laughs> right. So basically what the Malbim says is that Jeremiah means that God didn't command us to bring sacrifices for their own sake, but so that Yehovah would be our God and we'd walk in his ways, uh-huh. which is what it says. Yes. The purpose of the sacrifices wasn't to bring sacrifices, but to be obedient to Yehovah. In other words, the sacrifices in and of themselves have no efficacy whatsoever. Their only value is that God commanded us to do them. If we do them and disobey God, then they kind of defeat their own purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's why it says, according to the Malvim in verse 23, that what God actually commanded us wasn't sacrifices, but obedience. In other words, the, you know, uh, they have a function. Their function is to show you're obedient. If you're bringing sacrifices mm-hmm. and, aren't, and you're not obedient, then you're, you're missing the essence of what the sacrifices are about. Mm-hmm. So, but, but you can see clearly in the Jewish sources, they're struggling with this because mm-hmm. they've also memorized just like I've memorized. Exactly. And, and they've whole tractates based on, you know, the discussions about the rules and regulations. And then Jeremiah comes along and throws a monkey wrench and says, look, it's not really about sacrifices. Sacrifice aren't re- sacrifices in and of themselves aren't really that important. It's being mm-hmm. obedient to God. Yes. 
And and here's three other passages that talk about, you know, I'm going to save these actually when we have another passage that talks about sacrifices. But just for this week, I'm going to invite people to go look up three verses, three passages. Micah chapter 6, verses 7 to 8. Yes. 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22. And Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 10. These are other verses that talk about, you know, focusing on God and not the, on the obedience and not the sacrifices, but we'll have an opportunity to talk about this in the future when we get to. And I don't want to, I don't want to want to make this, you know, a human, human, so human focused, yeah. but it's, 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 it's not unlike you, you're dealing with your children, you know, here's what we do. Here's how we do what we do. And then all of a sudden they say, okay, yeah, we're going to do it. But the spirit by which we do it is not. So we, we clean on Tuesdays because this is what we do. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, 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 they add a bunch of other issues. And then as a parent, you come and you say, okay, what's the real issue here? What is the real issue that we're focusing on? And now when I read this, I think about God saying, okay, it's about our, my relationship with you. You're my children. I'm your father. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to listen to my voice. And listening to my voice includes these are the things that you do. Right. So, I, I, you know, again, I, I don't think he gets surprised by anything. I don't think there's anything that he's like, oh, boy, crap. You know, they're down there sacrificing. You know, we only had one argument during Torah pearls. I told you that you know, <laughs> we had the big argument about, uh, about whether, whether Moses was uh, – Remember the whole issue about him going into the land or not going into the land? <laughs> Big psychological conversation. I don't remember. So that. in this one, I just say, I don't think there's a part where God says, okay, since you guys won't do this, I'm going to do this. It almost seems like he'd be responding. Right. Well, I, 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 That's I, all I'm saying. I, this is the point to me, and this is actually a really profound yeah. uh, concept beyond this particular passage, mm-hmm. which is I think what Jeremiah is saying, and let me back up. So we've got specific commandments that are often examples, or there's a principle to learn from those there commandments. Yes. And 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 I think the point of Jeremiah is that the principle behind the commandment is more important than the commandment itself. And, and, mm. and a famous example is that God says, when you have a roof, you're to build a parapet around the roof. That's like a little fence so that people don't fall off and get killed. Well, what's the principle there? The principle there is if you have a situation where you set up, where, yes. people, where there's danger, then you you as the property owner have a responsibility to yes. make sure somebody wandering around there doesn't get hurt. Um, and what it's very easy to do is is get so focused on the roof with the parapet and the height of the parapet and the length, and, and that, that we the- that we forget that when there's a a, a three story staircase and there's no railing that somebody <laughs> exactly. falls off and dies. Exactly. And, and the point of Jeremiah, I believe here. Whether the Malbim is right or Radak is right, maybe they're both right, is that the principle behind the commandments is more important than the, than the specifics of the commandment itself. And if we focus so much on those specifics that we forget the principle, then we're not being obedient to God. And you know what's interesting? I mean, I talk, you think about Abraham, and they talk about he kept my statutes, my judgments, my commands. And say, well, where, where were those written? And where is that? But, but the, yeah. the spirit of Abraham, what he did is when he heard from God, he responded. When he heard from God, he responded. So if God would have said, sacrifice your son... Abraham sacrifices his son. Mm -hmm. In other words, the point is, and what did he do? That's a great example. Did he really want the sacrifice or was he asking the question? Well, clearly he didn't because he he, he said, I don't want it. And we'll actually talk about that later on in this passage. Yeah. yeah. But that's that's, that's the thing. I just, I look at it from that perspective. All right. You're going to have to read because my computer is just about shut down. So you got to keep going. So I love verse 25 and and I think we're, well, you know, we'll just, I I just love the phrase. And it says, um, from the day that you, uh, from the day that your uh, your fathers went out from the land of Egypt until today, mm-hmm. I sent to you all my servants, the prophets, Yom Hashkim v'Shaloach, each day, waking up early and sending. That's mm. what it literally says. I love that. Velo <laughs> Shamuelai, and they didn't uh, listen to me. Velo hitu etosnam, and they didn't incline mm. their ear, and they stiffened their necks, and they stiffened their necks. They did. They hereo uh, meavotam. By the way, even more evil than in the thoughts. middle of the night. I thought about you saying you didn't understand what I was talking about with neck, and I thought, how does he not understand what I'm talking about? The body parts. Of neck? What word is used here when they said they stiffen their neck? 
Right. What does it have to do with Aristotle? No, I'm, not, I'm asking you. What word is used? It's, it's Aleph. Okay. And the what same is it? word? Is, same root as the word is Arafel, which is the thick. Darkness. Eventually, he's going to get this. He's going to understand yeah. this. You know. I don't know keep, what the picture the, 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 is of God. No, don't you know about the the shoulders? The, the you know the, you got the. Is this like the no, temple? Next, the next is this the temple being the image of a man or something? Like, no, no, no. It's much deeper than that. But we'll, we'll deal with it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> These allegories. All right, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think we can skip ahead. I, I want to skip ahead to verse 30. Yes. Um, it says, For the children of Israel did evil in my eyes, says Yehovah. Uh, they put their abominations in my house, which my name is called upon it to desecrate it. What's that talking about? Wow. That means there were actual idols in the temple in Jerusalem itself. Mm-hmm. And we actually see that in, in the time of Josiah. I love the story of Josiah, oh. where they find the Torah in the temple. Mm-hmm. And he hears in the Torah, you're not supposed to have idols. And it's amazing because he starts out as this righteous king. He wants to do right, but he doesn't know what right is. Mm-hmm. So he orders for the temple to be renovated. He thinks, okay, the temple of God, the temple of Jehovah, let's, let's renovate it. That'll make me righteous. They find this book in the temple, which is read to him. Mm-hmm. And, and he realizes, uh-oh, we've been renovating the temple, but it's full of idols. So the second thing he does is commands for the idols to be removed. Yes. Um, which is amazing. Like, wait a minute. You're renovating the temple, but you didn't know you have to take the idols out. And that's what Jeremiah is talking about here, that there's idols, abominations in the temple. Verse 31, it says, And they built the high places of the Tophet, which is in Gay ben hinnom the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in fire, which I did not command. And it says, Velo al ta'alibi. And it didn't even that's one of the it didn't even come upon my heart. It literally go up upon my heart. That is heart. such an interesting phrase. That when yeah. I re- when I, that's one of those phrases when you when you read it, it's, the second part of it just literally jumps off the page. Yeah. Look, not only did I not command it, I never even thought about it. wasn't even something that even didn't even occur my mind. to me that you didn't should even occur to children. me that you would do that. Now, let me say something. Yeah. And, I, and you, we, we could talk about this. And uh, folks, I'm going to try to encourage Nehemiah to, to get you to, to, to watch this. One of the great teachings that he's done. Um, it's actually in the Open Door series. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the, the phrase itself. What was the phrase of the title? The title oh, of the, to hell and back. Yeah, to hell and back. Uh, great controversy. It's also my book, Shattering Spirits. Yeah, it's also Science. in that book there. That but um, but what I, one of the things that, about it that really just I have to say that to, that I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with in this little apartment you have me in. <laughs> now this morning, I'll give you an example. It took everything in me not to send you a note and ask you what time you were coming so I could get on a bus so I could go visit hell. Why did I want to go and visit hell? Because there was... Because yesterday I said you go to hell? No, no, no. no, (laughs) I didn't say that. No, you didn't say that. Because here I am within 10 minutes... Wait, what do you mean hell? Within 10 minutes... No, I'm going to tell them. Within 10 minutes where I can actually physically go to the place that Jeremiah is referring to. Mm -hmm. Where I can physically go and look at that place. Five minutes by car without traffic. (laughs) we, we, We talk a lot about being in the land of Israel and being in the land of the prophets. But one of the things that's so amazing to me, and I just got to slow down and tell people about this, that I just think is amazing, is that I can read this section... And I don't have to imagine what Jeremiah is trying to get the people to see. They didn't have to imagine what he's trying to get them to see. They know this physical place is there. They actually saw these things taking place where people were actually sacrificing their children uh, in the fire down in that particular valley. And and for me, Nehemiah, why this is why this is such a powerful experience is because, again, I'm 10 minutes away. So when I open the Bible, I've seen this place and I'm looking at this place. And, 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 and again, what Jeremiah is bringing to mind where Yehovah says, I didn't command it. It did not come into my mind. He also sees the picture of them doing this, taking a child, their child, and sacrificing them to the false God. I mean, 
And again, you see this yeah. over and over in, in Israel. We can we can go we can go ten minutes away, yeah. walk another place, and see where this this it's thing amazing. took place. I, I mean, it, it just it's amazing. And, and I want to back up for those who who, who aren't familiar with uh, this human sacrifice uh, mm. situation. So first of all, let, let's just be really clear. There's a place outside of the old city of Jerusalem. Um, it was outside of Jerusalem back in the time of Jeremiah in a valley called the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom or the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, which mm-hmm. in Hebrew is Gay Ben Hinnom. Yeah. And it's from the word phrase Gay Ben Hinnom that you get, if you drop the word Ben, which is son, you mm-hmm. get Gay Hinnom. And Gay Hinnom is the, is the Hebrew word for hell, meaning mm-hmm. in, in later sources after the Tanakh, in, in, um, they talk about Gay Hinnom. I, mm-hmm. I grew up you know, being taught about if you're not good, you'll go to Gay Hinnom, mm-hmm. um, which is hell. So in rabbinical sources, Gehinom becomes the term for hell. Um, in, in Greek, it became Gehenna, Gehenna, and in English, it's hell. And um, and this was why why was this an image of hell? Because it was the place where they were, there was fire and they were sacrificing children. And we'll see in a minute. Um, I won't go into the whole thing, but you know, we'll see in a minute that this actually comes from the book of Isaiah. The mm-hmm. rabbis didn't make it up, and, and, and the Christians didn't make it up. But actually, there's an, it's, it's a metaphor that, or an image that comes from Isaiah. But first, I want to talk about the human sacrifice. This is such a big issue that this actually is forbidden specifically in the Torah. Leviticus 18.21, it says, Do not allow any of your offspring to be offered up to Molech. Molech was the main god of the Ammonites. Um, And do not profane the name of your god, I am Yehovah. Then Leviticus 20, verses 2 to 5, maybe I won't read the whole thing. It says, Say further to the Israelite people, anyone among the Israelites or among the strangers residing in Israel who gives any of his offspring to Molech shall be put to death. Hmm. The people of the land shall pelt him with stones, is the JPS. And I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among the people because he gave of his offspring to Molech and so defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. And if the people of the land should shut their eyes to that man when he gives of, the, of his offspring to Molech and should not put him to death, my, um, I myself will set my face against that man and his kin and I will cut, uh, and will mm-hmm. cut off from among their people both him and all who follow him in going astray after Molech. So twice, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, third witness, Deuteronomy 18.10 says, Let no one be found among you who consigns his son or daughter to the fire. Uh, and, and in the context, everybody knew what that meant is to, mm-hmm. is to literally, it's to pass his son or his daughter through the fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, what does that mean to pass his son or his daughter through the fire? So here's a really interesting example where we can look in ancient sources outside of the Tanakh and get an understanding of what it means yes. because these, these pagan practices weren't unique to the Ammonites. They were very widespread among the Canaanites. And what's shocking to me is you've got a temple in Jerusalem in a time where there are prophets and somebody decides, I'm going to set up a temple to Molech outside the city, mm-hmm. and I'm going to perform human sacrifice. That's just, it's hard to wrap my head around, because that's mm. not the image I was taught of what ancient Israel was like. I was taught there were these rabbis, and there was a Sanhedrin, and everyone was sitting, sitting in a yeshiva, setting Talmud during the time of the prophets. And what I find out is that, in fact, they're burning their children to Molech, um, which is unbelievable. Actually, in Jerusalem at the time the temple stood, there was a second temple just outside the city where they would burn their uh, children. And, you, and I've actually been to that spot, the exact spot as far as we know, uh, according to the sources, where they burnt their children to Molech. Um, uh, it, it's amazing that you mm-hmm. can actually go to that place. And we, I actually mm-hmm. think I show pictures of mm-hmm. that, of the site today, of what it looks like in the uh, Open Door series. Um, and actually on the website, I'm going to include a photo of, of that. Um, so I want to quote a, a Roman source. Why Romans? Because... You had these people called, uh, you had a city called Carthage, mm-hmm. and Carthage was settled by people from Tyre. Remember we said uh, in a previous episode that Hiram was tired? <laughs> yeah, we were um, tired. <laughs> I was tired. I was so tired. I said Hiram of Tyre was from Sidon. Um, <laughs> but those were cities next to each other in Syria. So the Carthaginians were Canaanites from Tyre. 
They were called Phoenicians by the Greeks because Phoenicia means land of purple. Mm-hmm. They made purple dye. Um, and uh, it was called, they were called Punic people in Latin, which is just the Latin pronunciation of Phoenicians, mm-hmm. Puna, Punic. Um, and that's why we have, for example, the first Punic War. So the first Punic War took place in the years 264 to 241 BC between Rome and Carthage. And, it just, and Diodorus Siculus, who is a, a first century BC, active around 60 to 30 BC, he writes in uh, Book 20, Section 14 about Carthage, um, which is a Canaanite city. Um, and it's amazing that we have these descriptions. Mm-hmm. Even after Jeremiah, for a thousand years, they continue to do these things. It says, in former times, they had been accustomed to sacrifice to uh, to Molech, or Kronos, he calls him mm-hmm. in Latin, the noblest of their sons. I mean, they take the, the, the noblest sons. It says, in their zeal to make amends for their omissions, they selected 200 of the noblest children and sacrificed them publicly. There was, uh, that's amazing. In other words, the, the Canaanites believed that through the human sacrifice of the firstborn son, you could then atone for your sins. Mm-hmm. Um, there was in their city a bronze image of Cronus extending his, its hands, palms up and sloping down to the ground, so that each of the children, when placed thereon, rolled down and fell into a sort of gaping pit filled with fire. Mm-hmm. So imagine you've got this this, uh, sac- this statue and he's putting his arms out. And if you hand your child into the hands of the of the statue, mm-hmm. um, the, the ch- the, it'll actually, the child will burn and then fall into a pit of fire underneath. It's hot, heating up this bronze statue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashi, uh, who's a rabbi who lived a thousand years after Diodorus Siculus, he describes almost the exact same thing, which is amazing. I Meaning people remembered what happened. Uh, commenting on this verse, Rashi says that is the molech that was made out of bronze, and they would heat it up. Uh, they would heat up under it, and its hands were stretched out, um, and they would become heated, and they would put the child upon its hands, and it would burn, and it would moan. The child mm-hmm. and the dark priests of molech they would beat drums so that the father would not hear the sounds of the son, uh, so that his his uh, mercy would be be uh, mm-hmm. um, ignited. Um, Meaning that they would drown out the sounds of the dying child with the mm. with the sounds of the, um, of the drum. and that actually appears in some other sources. And he says, and that's why it was called tofet. The Hebrew word for drum is tof. Mm. And you might say, wait a minute, this is a Canaanite god, not a Hebrew god, but the Canaanites spoke a language almost identical to Hebrew. Um, so tofet would in Canaanite also mean the place of the drum beating, mm. and the purpose of the drum beating is so that you don't hear the sounds of the crying child, mm. um, which is like oh my gosh, that's incredible. Plutarch, who's another Roman historian, he writes uh, sometime between the year forty six and one twenty A.D. He says in the whole area before the statue was filled with a loud noise of flutes and drums, so that the cries of wailings should not reach the ears of the people. And this amazes me to see something in Rashi in the 12th century and a Roman source in the first century. That tells me they're both going back to the common source, which mm-hmm. is these things actually happened mm-hmm. and people remembered it. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 7, Solomon builds an altar to Molech, which is called the, to- the Tophet, the place of the drum beating. 2 Kings 16, 3, Ahaz, who was king of Israel. Ahaz, who's the same Ahaz we talked about in Isaiah chapter 7, mm-hmm. that the sign was given to him. He passes his son through the fire, quote, according to the abominations of the nations. That's crazy. This is, I mean, this is the same right. Ahaz that was given the sign of the young woman in Isaiah 7. And he's passing his son through fire. Somebody say grace. Yeah. Wow. Two, King, uh, two Kings 23.10, Josiah finally destroys the Tophet. Up until then, this Tophet was, up until the time of Je- Josiah, 
sometime around, they say 650 or some people mm-hmm. say 621 BCE. I don't know how they get that exact date. That's a guess, I think. But sometime around 621 BC, perhaps, uh, Josiah orders that the Tophet be destroyed. Mm. And this was a big thing that's continued among the Canaanites for hundreds of years, maybe a thousand years after um, Josiah. But the point is that human sacrifice. Well, let, let's read um, uh, Jeremiah 32, 35. It says, and they built uh, Bamot Baal. The high places of Baal, which is in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, which is in Gehenna Hell, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which which I did not command, and it and it did not even go upon my heart to do these abominations in order to cause Judah to sin. And, and the message here is human sacrifice is an abomination to Jehovah and doesn't even cross his mind, or, or literally in Hebrew, go up upon his heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just something, you know, and they say he, he's, he's talking about this human sacrifice. And I know that there's got to be people who wonder, well, uh, then what, what was uh, what was the what was that that was going on with Jer- uh, Abraham where he said, sacrifice your son. And, and again, that was not that wasn't the same thing. That wasn't that wasn't even, you know, offering his. Well, it's uh, a valid it's, question, it's, though. It's, I mean, it's a valid question. Based on what God commanded, it is the same thing. Well, but the point except, is, at the last minute, God said, don't do it. Okay, but no, I'm going to tell you why it's not the same thing. What is that? Because, first of all, what you're talking about, these sacrifices here, you're talking about sacrificing to a false god. God didn't Wait, tell so sacrificing him, to the true God is, is no, okay? no, 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 no. What I'm saying is... It says is, it didn't it even did, go upon his heart. It didn't even go upon his heart. What is it that what, what they were doing? I think it's human sacrifice. That's the message. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think that was the point of the... And look, this is, you know, the, I think a common Jewish view, and I could be wrong, but the common Jewish understanding is why did God command Abraham? Because the nations around looked at Abraham and said, yeah, you're worshiping that invisible mm-hmm. God. Big deal. We sacrifice our children. You have no faith. We show true faith and you don't yeah, even tell, sacrifice your child. Why he did this and that's me. the point. He tested him to see, okay, he you say said, you worship me. And that me, was the key. Prove it. He said, he said. But he, he actually didn't. Him. But he, it was a test from the very beginning. Yes. He didn't want the human exactly. sacrifice. Exactly. Because human sacrifice is an abomination to Jehovah. Yeah. Um, but it raises the question, how is it that both Judaism and Christianity adopted the idolatrous Tophet as a symbol of God's wrath? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I explain this in my book, Shattering Conspiracy of Silence. It comes from Isaiah chapter 30, verse 33, where the Tophet is actually a metaphor. Um, it was just something everybody knew about. Mm-hmm. You know? And it was, it was this valley, this place filled with the screaming of children and the fire. And so it was the worst image of, 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 of suffering. And so Isaiah uses it as a metaphor. It says, For Tophet is ordained of old, yea, for the king of Assyria it is prepared. He has made it deep and large. Which is interesting because Diodor Siculus, the Roman, describes it as a gaping pit filled with fire. Here he says, deep and large. The pile thereof is fire and much wood. The breath of Jehovah, like a stream of brimstone, does kindle it. So here it's saying, metaphorically, God's going to burn up the mm-hmm. king of Assyria the way the Tophet, that idolatrous uh, thing everybody mm-hmm. knows about, burns up the children. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that that's a legitimate place for sacrifice, but just it's a metaphor. Matthew chapter 522 speaks about hellfire, and there the word in Greek is Gehenna, yep. or Gehenon. Um, Gehenna, the valley of Hinnom. Mm-hmm. So it's, met- it's a metaphor. Not, mm-hmm. not that it's a legitimate thing, but it could be used metaphorically as, as an image of great suffering. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me this, because uh, I, I, I really do want to get to this verse. What, what verse are you on there? I'm, I'm struggling without my computer. I've got my Bible. But so now we're in verse 32. On 32. So wait, this says, um, hold on here, 32. Behold, days are coming, uh, says Yehovah. It shall no longer be said, yes. the Tophet and the valley of the sons of Hinnom, or the yes. son of Hinnom, but rather the valley of, of killing, yes. uh, or the valley of slaughter, and they shall bury in the Tophet, or in the place in the Tophet for a lack of place, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. 
That's interesting. To, or would you have any thoughts on that? No, no, go ahead. So what's interesting to me about that is in Second Temple times, there was, uh, and this is actually mentioned in the New Testament, that there was a place where they would bury uh, poor people. It was called the Potter's Field. The Potter's Field. Um, and uh, and it was on the site of the Tophet, according to some of the ancient sources. And later on, the Crusaders set up a, a, um, a, a tomb there called the Charnel House, where anybody who was you know coming on pilgrimage and who was too poor to you know who was a foreigner in a foreign land, he would die. People died in traveling. That's where they, they got sick, and they'd bury these poor people in the Charnel House. And and I actually went there and, and found bones there. Yeah, and found the bones of possibly these child victims. Um, that's what I talk about in, to Helen back and. And uh, it's amazing that here he's talking about this prophecy. It'll be a place where they bury because of the lack of place. Mm-hmm. And they decide that's where we're going to bury the poor people. And you can actually see the second temple tomb there to this very day. Mm. So we know pretty much exactly where this uh, Tophet took place. Gotta be, I'm it's telling you, I don't know why we're not there recording this. I, I just don't understand. Oh, You've got uh, us in this, this basement instead of us. We're ten minutes away. We could be there recording it right now. <laughs> let's get. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, right. Um so I want to read um, twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, eight one. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Please. Okay. At that time, declares the Lord, they will bring out the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of the princes and the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem from their graves. They will. And this is where this is the verse that, that just. Uh, it sounds you know if you're reading it and you're thinking about it from then, but I actually see some of this for now. And they will spread them out to the sun, the moon, and to all the hosts of heaven which they have loved and which they have served and which they have gone after and which they have sought and which they have, and here comes the word, worshipped. And I think that this is the challenge, Nehemiah. We talked about it last week, and, and it's still the issue now, is that sometimes in the majesty of the sun and the moon and the stars and all of those things that we look up to, historically people have looked up to those things, and they're so magnificent and so amazing and so beautiful. They say, look, let's bow down and let's worship these things. And that's where I think the tension comes in. We want to understand God's creation, but when people take that creation and it becomes the focus, and that's exactly what I think happens, it becomes the focus, and so the sun, so just as we know, what becomes the, the moon, the sun, the moon, the hosts of heaven, these things become the focus, and they become the focus of people's, um, uh, of you know, like I said, like here it's talking about them actually bowing down and worshiping them, mm-hmm. but um, but again, that those things become the focus, and they and they no longer become. The creator who created them becomes the created thing, and the created thing becomes the issue that people focus on. So in this situation, it's saying that this this is what they did. They spread these out to the sun, to the moon, to the host of heaven. And, you know, even yesterday I was doing some, uh, I was looking at what was going on during the time uh, of when the Roman influence was here and what what happened with the people of Israel. You know, first century, second century and beyond. They begin to fo- connect what they're focusing on, which is the sun and the moon and the stars. Mm-hmm. And they say now it's the sun and the moon and the stars. And pretty soon, again, it becomes the creation and not the creator. I think that's also connected to what's going on with the four blood moons. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I I'm going to throw the four blood moons back in. you get the four because, blood because, moons? Because, because you know what? Nobody's bowing down to the four no, blood moons, are they? What are you talking about? The focus becomes, okay, here becomes the issue. I think that's this, a cheap shot. No, no. I'm, not, I'm telling you that you can ask people right saying. now. They will say, oh, because of this pattern, this becomes the focus. And I think, why is the focus the pattern rather than the pattern maker? That's all I'm saying. There's a one, Guess someone created the pattern. The pattern was created by the creator. And he has a whole system in place where we can look at those things and say, yes, this is what he's done. But again, I think that becomes the focus and, and, and that's where people get led astray. Yeah. So anyway, 
about that. Um, okay. So, all right. <laughs> no, go on. Uh, no, that's that. that right. That's it. So, can you read verse three? Which is no, I can't. can't. I don't have it. <laughs> you okay. Read. All right. I got to read verse three. I got to read. <laughs> go ahead. All right. So Jeremiah chapter eight verse three is the last verse until we jump until to tonight. two more verses. Oh, and death will be chosen night. rather yeah. than life. Yes, yeah. by all the remnant that remains of the evil family that remains in all the places to which they are driven them declares the Lord. And can you not make? Can you not use the word remain and and remains and remnant? Is it? Did you did you did you see that? I don't know what you're talking about. No, no it says here in English. Yeah. And death will be chosen rather yeah. than life by all the remnant. That remains of this evil family. Right. That remains in all the places to which I have driven. Right. So, what does that mean? Death will be chosen more than life. Oh, you tell me. Life will be so miserable mm. they'll prefer to die. That's exactly. one possibility. Exactly. But it really is a strange phrase. And when I hear "death will be chosen rather than life," um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verses fifteen and nineteen. It says, "See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil." And he goes on in uh, verse 16, he says, uh, uh, hold on, it says in 16, and that I command thee this day to love Jehovah your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments mm-hmm. and statutes and the judgments that, thou, that you may live and multiply. And Jehovah your God shall bless you in the land where you go to possess it. But if you, your heart turns away so that you will not hear, uh, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods to serve them. Um, verse 19, or no, sorry, verse 18. I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and you shall not prolong your days upon the land whether you are going, uh, whether you pass over the Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you may, that you and your seed may live, that you may love Jehovah your God and that you may obey his voice and that you may cleave unto him for he is your life. And the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which Jehovah swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, and I think it's really interesting. Here we have the exact opposite. He's saying, God is saying in, in Deuteronomy 13 and, and uh, you know 15 through about 20 there, he's saying, um, I've set before you life and death, choose life. Mm-hmm. And here, don't choose death. And here it's saying, they're going to choose death. Uh-huh. These, these evil people are going to be scattered uh, mm-hmm. out of the land and they're going to choose death. And, and it's interesting. What is he referring to? Mm. When, when did Israel choose death over mm. life? Mm. And and what comes to mind for me is something that that you hear from. Um, you actually hear this from the Muslims, mm. and specifically, I, I encountered this from Hamas. Hamas had a famous, uh, you know, a bunch of famous leaders who got up and they say, "We love death more than the Jews love life," and that's why mm. we, the Muslims, are going to win. Um, and it's true, the Jews love life. We're commanded in the Torah to choose life. Yehovah is our life. We don't, we don't love death. They love death. And, and, and here it's really interesting, and I'm going to say something very controversial. Some people are going to be upset. Mm-hmm. So, um, so these guys, they, they, they choose death. Um, well, does that, does that have anything to do with this verse? And I wonder if this verse isn't prophetic. Hmm. Because one of the things some, some historians have pointed out is that you had these Jews in the land of Israel... And the Muslims conquered the land, and those Jews either willingly or forcibly were, were converted to Islam. Mm-hmm. And it's very possible that some of some, maybe not all, but some of the Palestinian Arabs today are descended from Israelites. Maybe some of them are the, that remnant that has chosen death over life. And maybe that's what Jeremiah is talking about. And I think we need to go back to Deuteronomy and choose life. Yehovah is our life. We don't want the God of death. Okay, you said it. There it is. 
I'm well, let you talk about the last two I, verses. I, of can I, I want to talk, and, and actually, for, for time, can I can I t- slow down and just talk about the very last verse? Would you be willing last to let me do that? Or just well, the last one? The last verse is what can I want to talk 9, about. Can you read 9, 22 to 23? Yeah. Speak, thus says Yehovah, uh, the corpses of men will fall like dung on the open field and like the sheep. No, Jeremiah 9, 22 to 23. Oh, no, this is 9, 22 to 23 in English. So 9, 22, 9, 21. What? In, yeah. Oh, it's different verses yeah, in the exactly, English? Exactly. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. So, okay, in Hebrews 9, 22, 23, it's 23, 24 in, in the King James Version. Okay, read that. So can you read 23 to 24? I can't because I only got... I'll read the King James. Yeah, Thus King saith James. the Lord, Hebrews, <laughs> you know, it's caps of the Lord, Jehovah. Thus mm-hmm. saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he mm-hmm. understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord, or Jehovah in the Hebrew, mm-hmm. which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord, mm-hmm. says Jehovah. Wow, okay. I love that. Yeah. What, well, I'm yeah. going to just say I want to say something uh, about this that really yeah. uh, has been been a uh, I don't know a long term uh, a long term process for me. And actually, what I what I do like as I as I'm reading through that in verses 22 and 23, yeah. um, there's a there's a phrase, and it's different in 23 verses 22 in Hebrew. In 22, um, it says, and let me get this right: uh, Do not let them boast, or let let. Man, I think it's like like saying, "Do not let them praise." Um, it's I would translate word, it as, uh, as to praise yourself. Yeah, to praise Don't yourself. praise yourself. Exactly. And so when I'm reading this and I'm thinking about, you know, we talk about hallelujah, praise, you know, mm-hmm. uh, praise, praise Yah. In yeah. this situation, it's like, do it's not. It's the same word. It's the exact Hala. same word. He, but it's yitalel. Exactly. And so when I see that word and I'm thinking a lot about this, and I think a lot about this from the perspective of what happens in the, in, in the world that we're in today. And actually, I'm actually presently, for those that don't know, I'm presently. Um, actually, over in China uh, with my wife Andrea and my son Andrew, it's a actually, great presently situation. You're in Jerusalem. Present, no, I'm actually presently. Mean, no, presently. By the time they listen to this, oh, okay, I'll be on my way you'll back. be back. <laughs> but no, if what I want to say is that is is that is that being there. One of the things that's really interesting is, and you you know about the culture. Um, you know, different things become important in the United States. What becomes important is let the one who's got the most money. Talk about he's got the most money. In fact, they just did. I just read an article today. It says presently, before this time, I'm a little bit in a time warp. I'm so confused. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a time warp. When this is being broadcast? When this is being broadcast, I actually did it earlier. And they talk about every year they have the Forbes richest people come out. And that's increased by something like 12 some percent. They say that a percent, that the 1% a year from now will actually have more resources than all the 99% combined. That the, that the numbers are increasing, that kind of thing. And this is what's given is sort of the praise. Who's got the most money? Who's number one? Bill Gates is number one. Who's number two? The guy from, you know, somewhere over in uh, uh, some other part of the world. And who's number three? Uh, you know, um, Warren Buffett's number three. And oh, it looks like his... No- and they're talking about the new people who've made it to this list. And this mm-hmm. becomes the place of praise. Did you make the list? Did you make the billionaire list? 17 new people. Presently, Nehemiah, the number is the the billionaire list. list. And that presently, they're saying that there's about 1,800 people, Mm -hmm. 1,800 people that are the 1%. And the the idea is to boast. Let not the one who's rich boast. No, absolutely. Let's boast. And that's that's exactly what's talking about here is let not the one who's who's rich boast in his riches. And that's exactly what they do. They boast in the riches. And this verse has always been important to me because I go through each of these things. So wisdom. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Might. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. 
Riches, let not the rich man boast in his riches. But if you want to praise something, if you really want to boast about something, let them boast in this, that they understand and know me. What? Wow. I mean, that is the whole issue is that I am Yehovah who exercises loving kindness, justice and righteousness on the earth. And I really and I delight in these things. What things? Loving kindness, justice and righteousness, which is exact opposite of what our present world is uh, is always pushing. It's pushing for the strength and it's pushing for the riches. And that becomes the issue. If you have that, you're on top. When in fact, what he says is if you want to boast about something, boast that you understand and know me. And I've always looked at this verse as something that I want. I don't even want to boast in it, but it's something I want to pursue. I want to pursue understanding who he is, what it means to be in a relationship with him. And I mean, that that really becomes it for me. So this has been a verse I actually memorized a long time ago. Really? I didn't memorize it in Hebrew. I memorized it in English. And now when I looked at it in Hebrew, the word that's used, this word to praise, hallelujah, you know, hallelujah, praise yeah. him. And don't let it be a praising of the praising of the person. So. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Pretty powerful. So I, I just do have to say something yes. in, in defense of Warren Buffett. He's actually a really humble guy and gives. Uh, what are you a, talking about? He's a, he, he, he gives like literally billions of dollars to charity. Billions. Uh-huh. So so I mean you're saying you know to boast in, about righteousness and I and I agree with you. I don't completely. know I don't know anything about what he gives. I'm talking about why why he's on the Forbes list. He didn't put himself in the Forbes no, list. I'm not the so- guy worked hard and he's very successful and, and I don't think he should be ashamed of that. There's nothing I, wrong with that whatsoever. And, and listen and to I, the I wanted, recording. Did I say I wanted, anything? I want to challenge you on something else. No, you no. say they're going up 12% between last year. Are they taking that 12% from the other 99% of the people? In other words, those 1,800 people, are they taking money from you and me, and that's why they're getting rich, or are they creating more You're wealth? You're talking about something completely different. I'm talking about the fact that... He's a that Keynesian. I know no, he no, is. No, no, no. I'm talking about the fact I that believe this in is Hayek. what people boast in. They boast in the riches. Uh, I agree. They, they boast yeah. in okay. the strength. And we they should boast be boasting in, in Yehovah. Exactly. I agree with you on that. Yeah, and Warren Buffett, but, he hasn't given to the BFA, so as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> You don't count, You word. don't count, Warren. <laughs> no, I think he does No, count. but I, I want to say, I do want to say, what I know. The, yeah, right. I, well, I mean. I mean, I don't know the guy, but from what I've read. And I, I don't want to bash him just because he's rich. I yeah. think there's, he should he should not be ashamed of being you know rich yeah. because he worked really hard. Yehovah would um, say to him, you know, don't boast in that, though. If you no, want to boast in something, not. boast and in understanding me. What I love about this passage is that this is, um, I don't know if you can tell this in English, but in Hebrew, it's very clear. It jumps off the page that this is what we call a proverb. It's in the style of Proverbs. And, um, and there's actually two Proverbs that appear in the Tanakh that, that are very reminiscent. They're talking about other things, but they're reminiscent of that. One is in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 11. It says, the king of Israel replied, it says, uh, and he's speaking, I think, to the king of Aramea or mm-hmm. Syria, if I recall correctly. He says, uh, tell him, quote, let not him who girds on his sword boast it's like him who ungirds it. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same word in Hebrew, yitalal, mm-hmm. yitalel. Let him, in other words, uh, when you're going out to war, don't boast as if you're coming back from war because you might not come back. Isn't that um, <laughs> That's great. Um, and then there's another proverb that this reminds me of, Proverbs 27.1. It says, do not boast of tomorrow. Same word. Mm-hmm. Do not boast of tomorrow for you do not know what the day will bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love this. Don't boast in yourself. Boast in Yehovah. And it's interesting. There's two things here that we can boast in um, or, or to, to praise ourselves in, to uh, maybe praise him through you know, through our experience mm-hmm. here, one is Haskel, which is to understand, and the other is Yadoa, to mm-hmm. know. And you might think, well, that's the same thing. But in Hebrew, I read this, and it's obvious to me that Yadoa, to know, is in the biblical mm-hmm. sense of we have this idea in the Tanakh to know God isn't to have intellectual knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the verse Adam knew uh, Eve. 
um, which didn't mean he actually knew who, her name. He he had an intimate interaction with mm-hmm. her. And there's this idea in Hebrew of knowing isn't just an intellectual thing. It's an experiential thing, and it's an intimate experience. Mm-hmm. So to understand and to know in Hebrew is really what we've talked about. What you've talked mm-hmm. about is information and inspiration, mm-hmm. meaning it's it's to know intimately, to experience God. And I think that's really powerful. What mm-hmm. should you boast in? Uh, boast in, in knowing me and experiencing me, yeah. you know, to, wow. to know intimately. Uh, for I am Yehovah who does chesed. I love that word. Chesed is a really hard word. to. They translate loving kindness, but it's a hard word to, to translate. We could have a whole hour-long discussion about the word chesed. I think we should do that. <laughs> uh, chesed, mishpatu tzedakah, judgment and righteousness in the land. These are the things that I desire, mm-hmm. says Yehovah. Well, I will say this, Nehemia. You know, I, um, I've, these first four sessions, I've been without my, my, my folder, but my computer's on the, on the blink. But what I tell you that's so powerful is I'm here, and I just, if, I just have to say this before I pray. Um, I feel like I'm here, and, and, and I'm here in the place where he gave his word and where, he, you know, where, he, where his word was, was brought forth. And, 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 and I, just, I can't help but just, just get excited about that, that, that really this is an opportunity for those that are listening for us to get to know him better. How do we get to know him better? Through his will, through his word, walking his way. You know, wh- this is an opportunity for us, you know. And I, I want to challenge people to, to go back and, and go through the passages that we talk about. Open up your Bibles. Get two or three translations. Do the kind of compare and contrast and ask the question. You know, ask for God's spirit to, to give you wisdom and understanding. But, you know, again, the information is there. Go through this information. Take Torah pearls. Take prophet pearls. Open up your Bible. Have Bible study. You can have a re. It's just I call it revival time. Whenever I study yeah. the Word of God, you know. And now to be here to do this at the same time is amazing. So I appreciate you having to step in. Um, obviously, not having everything, but being here with you, it just makes it so much better. It just makes the experience so much better to actually physically be here and to be talking in land of the prophets about the prophets. So mm-hmm. I want to pray. Is there anything else you want to say? Are you okay? I just want to say, Keith, you may not have had the. The, all the information, but you had the inspiration. Amen. You don't got the book, but you've got the spirit. Amen. Praise God. Would Amen. you please pray? Yeah, Father, thank you so much uh, that we do have an opportunity to to praise um, something or to be able to boast in something. And that is to the fact that you've allowed yourself, you've, you, you've unhidden yourself, that we get to know you and understand you in a way that is is so practical and so purposeful and so amazing. Uh, help us to, to be people that would continue to trust you uh, completely to know you through your word and what you've shared. Um, give us the wisdom as we continue to go through Prophet Pearls to find out which things to bring to the forefront. Give us humility. Uh, give us a desire um, to be able to share this information with the world, but first to let it be applied into our own personal lives. And so uh, thank you for this opportunity to be with Nehemiah in the land of Israel and the land of the prophets. And just it's overwhelming to know that we're so close to to be able to walk down the street as we will today and, and know that that's a place that the prophets walk down and to see the places that they talk about. Uh, we don't take this as a small thing. And for all those people that have supported us in our ministries at um, uh, McCore Hebrew Foundation, BFAinternational.com, we thank you for them and them giving us an opportunity to do this, this amazing work. We just bless them and we bless you in your name, Yehovah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit nehemiaswall.com and bfainternational.com.